So Christians Against Poverty, um, or CAP, as you've maybe heard it, provide free debt help and community courses um, throughout the UK. And I love that they help those that are already in debt to get free. And you can see that when somebody goes debt free, they play harmonicas in their office as a celebration for that. But they also provide the tools for anyone and everyone um, to help us not get into that position um, in the first place. And one of those tools is the CAP money course. And I have the beautiful Philippa up here today. And um, thanks, Sergey. Um, and she took part in one of the CAP money courses that we have run in church. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, so you took part on the online one a few months ago. I did indeed, yes. And what was, why did you sign up for the course? Why did you want to do it? money course for years um, since really coming to the church and um, Gina and Andrew have been running the course for all of that time and um, it was always something I was really interested in um, but unfortunately with work commitments and the kids being younger at the time and Sergi traveling and all I could never sign up for it um, and with last year whenever we were in lockdown it went on to Zoom and I thought this was a perfect opportunity to um, you know sign up and we had been in a position years ago that our finances were not good, but actually over a period of time had really got everything in order. So I was actually coming into the course feeling like I was in a really fairly good position. And um, somebody else that was on the course, I always felt like when I was saying, I sit here one day, I'm not a perfect Peter here. It sounds like I'm doing everything right, but actually I'd come from a place that maybe we haven't been, so I sort of wish I'd done it 20 years ago. I think I maybe would have saved ourselves a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stress along the way, but yeah, definitely, yeah. it was really good. Really oh, good. So what's been the biggest change in how you manage your finances since? Well, one of the handy tips that Gina and Andrew um, had told us all about was making sure you sort of um, organized your finances at the start of the month into different accounts. So instead of just having one current account that everything goes out of and uh, basically to be really strategic at the start of the month and if you want to save up for home improvements or a wee holiday or something to actually take that money out and you know be really intentional about it so that was something that i did a wee bit differently and i've got lots of different pots of money here and there and sort of trying to divide it up and the other thing which um i remember actually gail told me about when she did the course was and it's different now because of covid was actually taking physically taking money out of a cash machine and this is your grocery money for the week now i know with covid everybody's more working with mm. um card payments yeah. and everything now but it's just being really intentional of having and trying to stick to that budget so i've been yeah. trying to do that too very good um and what ha have your family noticed any changes um, now that you have a bit more control of your budget, you know, have your spending habits changed any? Well, we have two teenagers in our house, so the answer is probably no. They don't really notice very much that goes on. <laughs> but we have been able to do some updating in our house. So they've both sort of had bedrooms done up and okay. things like that. So they've pro yes, they've probably noticed things like that. We've been able to sort of save up and upgrade a few wee things in the house, so yeah. Brilliant, and you would highly recommend the course then to everyone? Definitely, I would say to everybody, regardless of where you are in this financial spectrum of, you know, in debt, or you feel like you're really organized, you will pick up loads of handy tips. It's really, really good. Gina and Andrew are really approachable, and I find them excellent on the course, so I would definitely recommend it. If you've never done it, 
sign up for it. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Philippa. We'll give her a round of applause. Thank you. So the course is going to be running again in November. You can sign up online. It's three nights and it really will um, just help you transform and get a bit more of control in your finances. Gina and Andrew are here today at the back. Give us a wave. Um, so you can give it, get a chat with them afterwards if you want to find out more about the course. Um, so okay, I've got the, the honor of um, speaking to you today um, from the Bible. Um, or just from stories of my travels, which seems to be becoming a feature of um, me talking in church. So I spent some time in Israel quite a few years ago. And when I arrived in Tel Aviv airport, I was recommended to take a shirut to Jerusalem. And it's basically a minibus taxi that waits until it's full before it leaves. And I was sitting in a two-person seat um, on my own and I'd only been in the country for less than, less than an hour and I started a theological argument, um, win for me, um, because an Orthodox Jewish man refused to sit beside me because I was a woman and this was holding up the departure of this taxi that had been sitting in uh, Tel Aviv airport for quite a while. So this led to a lot of arguing amongst the passengers. There wasn't any polite tutting that you would get in Northern Ireland. It was full on arguments. We need to respect his beliefs. He needs to get over it. And, um, and I'm sitting there cringing in the middle of it. Um, and then a woman relented and sat beside me and let the man, the Orthodox Jewish man, sit in her seat and I was just really glad that the awkwardness was over and we were on our way to Jerusalem until the woman beside me asked what I did for a job and then followed up with, well, how much money do you make? I felt my entire body cringe. I just felt so awkward. I'd never been asked that question by my friends, let alone a stranger before. And I fumbled through some response and then let her get back to arguing with another passenger about what Orthodox Jews should and shouldn't do. It's a very eventful journey. Money is an awkward topic of conversation in our culture. We don't like discussing it. In fact, we avoid discussing it, even with the people closest to us. But money is such an important thing. And unfortunately, we see how important it is when things go wrong. You know, it is a major reason given for marital problems and breakdown. There is increasing research on the link between our mental health and money worries, which can lead into a cycle that makes both worse. Debt levels in Northern Ireland are the highest in the UK, with Mid and East Antrim having a higher than average number of over-indebted people. And that's people who feel that keeping up with their debt is becoming a burden and or they're missing repayments of their debt. And that's nearly 20% of people in our council area who have said that they feel over indebted. But Jesus had no problem talking about money. He uses it as, uses it as examples to talk about other things in our lives and then to also directly address our relationship with it. So Jesus and my taxi buddy would have had a great conversation in Tel Aviv airport. And he talked about it because he knows how important it is for us. So buckle up. Things might feel a bit awkward for the next 15 minutes. 
But I think it's really important that we hear what Jesus has to say on the subject. So we find Jesus talking a lot about money and possessions in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly in Matthew 6. And you find these great one-liners that we all know in Matthew 6. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You can't serve both God and money. Consider the lilies. You're showing your age if you're singing a wee song in your head now. (laughs) Consider the lilies. But I wanted um, us to look at another Matthew 6 classic. Jesus has just finished talking about that other awkward subject, fasting. We'll get to that some other time. And then says this in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you noticed how more and more there are storage facilities popping up in Northern Ireland? I used to just think that was an American thing and they always find something dodgy in it in like CSI. But it's become more and more as you go along. And last week I came across a massive one on the outskirts of Lisburn. We have now filled our roof spaces, our sheds, and our garages to capacity that we need to rent space outside of our homes to put our stuff in. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why does Jesus tell us this? Is it because our stuff is bad? No, we use our money to put roofs over our heads, to feed our families, to clothe ourselves. I believe that Jesus is highlighting to us that if we invest our treasure only in the here and now, we're ultimately gonna lose it because earthly treasures don't last. Proverbs 23 verse five says, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, but it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. I love this picture. Next time I go to buy wool, I'm just gonna imagine it sprouting wings and flying away and it'll save me some money and our house some space. Um, Sooner or later, money and stuff will disappear. When Jesus says not to store up treasures on earth where it will be destroyed or stolen, it's not just because earthly treasure might be lost. It's because it will always be lost. Either it leaves us or we leave it. John D. Rockefeller was one of the richest men probably in the world in the late 19th century and early 20th century. And when he died, it was said that someone asked, how much did he leave? And his accountant is said to have said, well, he left all of it. As my grand always said, you can't take it with you. We leave our money and stuff behind. And I think it would be really sad if the outcome of our lives here on earth with the contents of a storage container in Lisburn. No offense to the people of Lisburn. So what should we be doing instead? Jesus goes on to say, I heard Jackie just say, get a skip. And I think that's probably the right response. <laughs> Brilliant. You and Gina should team up together and become like the people that go around and just throw all our stuff out. So Jesus goes on to say, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
And in Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. We store up treasure in heaven by investing in God's kingdom, which can't get moth-eaten or be stolen, which will last forever. And that's going to look different for each of us, depending on God, what God wants to put on our hearts to invest in. And I really don't want to give you examples because we can get very legalistic and rigid about how we spend our money. But what I really, really want you to do is ask Jesus, because I believe you'll get an answer if you're serious about it. But as we're highlighting CAP this morning, I just want to play this video as an example of what investing in God's kingdom could look like. Mum, now deceased wife, uh, used to look after the finances. Uh, She was the one that was good with the money, where I wasn't, and I'd built up quite a lot of severe debt, unmanageable debt. So I was living in fear of eviction. I'd been served with an eviction notice from my landlords. I didn't see a way forward. I didn't see a way out of it. Um, So I decided, I just tried to end it all. It was actually my landlords who'd mentioned Christians Against Poverty. They fast-tracked me and my debt coach, Jim, arrived in my doorstep. Nobody had crossed the threshold. Um, I'd been living there, I think I'd been there nearly two years. So the biggest difference that Christians Against Poverty's process made for me was that it was house visits. By the July of 2016, I got that wonderful telephone call from headquarters at CAP where they said, Mr. Moss, you are now debt free and played the harmonicas. And that's one of the greatest sounds I've ever heard. I then um, went on a cap event where I came to faith. This lady put her hands on on my shoulder and prayed for me. Just felt an overwhelming sense of calm and peace and love and warmth that I've never experienced before. And I just knew, I just knew that what it was and committed my life to Jesus there and then. On a Sunday, I can't wait to get up for service. I just love the church family that I've got. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're we're closer than blood. Um, And we support each other. We live our lives for each other. We're there for each other, and I praise God and thank God 
for that day that I now know he watched over me when I tried to end it all and he said, no mate, you're not going yet. You've got lots to do. So Simon's life was impacted by people who invested their money and time in God's kingdom, by supporting CAP financially, by volunteering as debt coaches, by making space for him at church. They invested in a kingdom of hope and having enough for each day, rather than our earthly kingdom, which can be one of lack and debt, which leads to despair. And can I just encourage anyone listening today, if your finances are getting on top of you, if you're struggling to see a way ahead, please, please, please say to someone, please ask for help. You can contact CAP directly. They have fantastic debt help. You don't have to carry this burden on your own. Hope and change are possible. But this isn't about giving um, money and getting on with our lives. This is about our hearts. And Randy Alcorn in his book, The Treasure Principle says this, God wants your heart. He isn't looking just for donors for his kingdom, those who stand outside the cause. He's looking for disciples immersed in the causes they give to. He wants people so filled with a vision for eternity that they wouldn't dream of not investing their money, time, and prayers where they will matter most. So what is the vision for eternity that Jesus is giving you? And how can you start investing your treasure in it? Finally, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants your heart. He doesn't need our time, money, or gifts, but he knows that that's the way to get to our hearts. And Jesus is highlighting that our treasure is the motive behind our actions, decisions, thoughts, and behavior. Our treasure is what we value most. It reveals our priorities. So how do we tell what our current priorities are, where our treasure actually is, instead of where we think it is? And Rick Warren says this, here's how you know what's really important to people. Look at their calendar and look at their bank statement. I can tell myself that my priorities are Jesus and his kingdom, but I see Amazon a lot on my bank statement and a lot of watching TV on my calendar. So we need to have an honest look at where we are investing our treasure currently and ask ourselves what it says about our priorities. And we need to talk to Jesus about it. And as we've ascertained, he loves a good conversation, a good awkward conversation like that. You know, as I've shared before, I worked somewhere for 11 years and I trundled along in my secure job with decent salary and good benefits. But I wasn't happy, but I never really listened to what Jesus thought about it. I just moaned at him. But I set aside some of my treasured time to ask Jesus and to really think about it instead of just moan about it. Um, and when I saw the job I'm currently doing, I had discounted it because it was two-year fixed term, it was part-time, which was less money, and it had really poor benefits because um, it was a, for a charity. And my attitude was like, oh, that would be nice to do if 
you, could, you know, if they had better benefits and better money. So I just forgot about it and went on um, with my day, and I saw it on one of the church prayer and fasting days. So I trotted off to pray, as I thought I should, and as I prayed, Jesus clearly said this to me, follow me and I will make you fishers of people because there are people drowning out there, Kate. And I knew that I had to apply for that job. But it is wider than my job. It has freed my money, time, and gifts up to invest in the kingdom. I spend less <laughs> rubbish on Amazon. I have to be more thoughtful about my money. I attended a CAP course many years ago, and I believe that it really helped me prepare for the big change that came in, uh, in my finances with the job. Because when I began to look seriously at the job, I knew exactly how much we needed um, to live so I could work out whether this job would actually work out for us. And I also now have more time to do compassion in church. I can I have more time for life group. I have time to meet people who are drowning in lots of different ways. But you need to know there will be a sacrifice as you store up treasures in heaven. But Jesus won't leave us high and dry when we're investing in the kingdom. He goes on in Matthew 6 in verse 31 to say, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. One thing I was anxious about when changing jobs was how the drop in income was going to affect my giving um, to church and to other kingdom causes that I was invested in. I was very clear that, it, that I didn't want that to reduce, but I couldn't afford to maintain it and maintain my giving at, that, at the current level. And I remember saying to God, this is your work, I'm gonna have to trust you to fund it. My heart was in the things I was given to, but God has provided, so I now have at least a year's given so I can maintain uh, um, that level of given for a year, and I am trusting God for year two, um, and I still have a bit extra to buy wool, so that's kind of nice as well. Um, I found these comments from John Wimber on the Pearl of Great Price, and this is where I really want my heart to get to. We know that it is worth everything to follow him, to walk with him, to serve him, to lose our lives for him. It's worth selling everything we own to gain Christ and be found in him. So in closing, as the band comes back up, um, as we're coming out of our COVID hiding period and are thinking about what life looks like going forward, I would urge you not to just take up where you left off without giving it some thought. Have an awkward conversation with Jesus about priorities, including your money. Do the CAP course to help get your finances in shape for um, an exciting kingdom or kingdom investment Jesus is perhaps going to put in your heart. Ask Jesus what he wants you to invest in and actively look for those kingdom investment opportunities. 
We are all getting a hundred pounds from the government soon. Very nice, thank you very much. And before we all jump into buying something that might sprout wings and fly away, ask Jesus. He might say, you look like you need a massage, go and get one. He might say, get yourself a, a lovely new mattress. He might say, Pastor Paul, get yourself a pair of jeans without a hole in them. <laughs> but he may also <laughs> he's now crossed his legs so he could hide in the hole <laughs> but he may also say to you here's a wee kingdom investment opportunity that has an excellent rate of return That's the